The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find where Welcome to Non Google Search Month on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and this week we're going to turn the spotlight onto how you can optimize your SEO efforts for some of the most important search engines that don't start with the letter G. And this week we're kicking off Non Google Search Month by publishing an episode every day discussing the history, status, and optimization strategies of Google's biggest competitors. Joining us for Non Google Search Week is Jordan Cooney who is a world-renowned SEO strategist and the CEO of Searchmetrics. And today, Jordan and I are going to talk about the history of search and how Google's biggest competitors have risen and have fallen. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay, on with the show. Here's my conversation with Jordan Cooney, the lead SEO strategist and CEO of Searchmetrics. Jordan, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast. Hey, Ben. Uh, surprisingly, although we're talking about you know non-traditional or other forms of search, I think the weird part is that we might actually spill the G word many times during these various uh, podcasts. I think that's part of the takeaway. And one of the reasons why we were excited about putting this together is specifically in today's episode, we're going to talk about you know the history of search and kind of the fall of Google's competitors and, and its rise. And obviously, no matter what search engine you're looking at, Google is always going to be the 800-pound gorilla in the room. So let's talk a little bit about how that happened. Can we go in the Wayback Machine here and talk about you know the start of search pre-Google and, and you know what happened that led to their prominence? Yeah, absolutely, Ben. So let, let's dive in. I think one of the places we need to first start off with is, is one of the prominent figures and, and really one of the prominent researchers and 
scientist, really, truly, genuinely a scientist behind search. Without much of his work, we really wouldn't have the backbone behind the theories and the principles of how search works. It's kind of funny. We actually know a lot about this here at Search Metrics because many of the concepts that this individual wrote about really stand true to how we look at even our business, how we collect data. So Gerard Salton, he is really one of the core founders of Search. He really wrote a book about the theories of indexing that set the stage around how we should be thinking about search in this basically this documentation collection process that then allows you to then serve results. And he created this first little concept prototype, which was called the magic automatic uh, retriever of text. And this kind of set the stage behind many of the ideas and principles that we now experience every day when we do a text-based search. So talk to me about some of the work that he did and what were some of the players that came out of Gerard's science? Yeah. So one of the interesting things is that much of his work, whether it's his books or his other experiments, use theories and tools that we now talk about every day in SEO and in search. Things like uh, TF-IDF or vector models or other term and keyword uh, relevancy. Uh, he also kind of talked a lot about... And he didn't invent all of these things, but he used them and formed them together to help people understand how to create an, a full search experience. And so a lot of us think, oh man, these things are pretty new. They're really not. I mean, a lot of these theories and principles have existed since the 50s and 60s. And then they were just adopted for a digital space in the early and late 90s. That's kind of where, where really search starts to have its first true impact in everyday life, which is in the early to mid 90s, what we see is properties like Excite, Yahoo Directory, which most people know, and probably the most, most notable for those folks who've been a long time, they're going to remember this one, uh, DMOS, so the Open Directory Project, which was really kind of the backbone of how you started much of your search engine optimization journey because you needed to be in DMAS in order to really get recognized in Google and Yahoo and other search engines. So I understand that Gerard is essentially the you know godfather of search and he created all of this technology that led to some of the early projects that led to things like you know Yahoo's database and, and to web crawling. Talk to me about how that evolution happened and let's get into talking about who some of the competitors were like the rise of Yahoo as a search engine. Yeah, so the rise of a lot of these search engines was kind of focused on a few main themes. Crawling was one of them. Natural language was the second one, which was largely one of the biggest pioneers there was AltaVista, Ask Jeeves. And then the final one is kind of like a document like retrieval. So how fast can you serve and produce documents? And that's, that's really where Google starts to really play a major role. And ultimately, a lot of those names probably sound super familiar to folks. But ultimately, what we see is that there's a formation of kind of a two-pronged search. Um, and we're fast-forwarding quite quickly here. Two-pronged search winners, which are Yahoo and Google. And that competitive environment really is what kind of builds and thrives in this industry. Is that there's two main head-to-head competitors that are jockeying for users, are setting the stage on new innovations around experience, new innovations around speed. And ultimately, especially as we get into the early to mid-2000s, how they make money. So how do you create different paid pay-per-click experiences? 
And oddly enough, in this particular space, Yahoo had had an upper hand early on as Google continued to really force this theory around, hey, we need to just provide uh, free listings and a free experience. And so really Yahoo kind of had the first upper hand there and, and started to also acquire companies that supported that mission of ads. So Yahoo was essentially the first modern search engine. And while there was AltaVista and you know some of the other uh, early internet days, the 1.0 search engines, Yahoo was really the one that sort of became an aggregator and had an early lead in terms of you know gaining some market share in search. What happened to Yahoo? And what point did Google start to basically eat their lunch? I'd really like to say that there's a, a critical theory here around, uh, really around kind of performance and relevancy. So as Google evolved their performance over time and made that a very clear mission of the company, which is, hey, we're going to give you choices faster than anyone else in the industry. And not only that, we're also going to give you the most relevant, the most useful results. That's what set the stage for this kind of differentiation between Yahoo and Google, because ultimately the greatest value add for searchers was how they consumed and utilized the various results, as opposed to formulations around how well you can monetize the various ads and ad options on your pages. And I think that's where the differentiation existed between Yahoo and Google in kind of like the mid to later 2000s. I think there's a couple different components to this. First off, when Yahoo was running their search engine, there was always a component of what was pay to play. And, and as much as you're saying, you know, relevance is important, you know, Google focused on relevance. The results Google presented just seemed to be more relevant, right? They seemed to answer questions better and faster. But there's also a distribution component to this where Yahoo was very much focused on distributing things like toolbars um, and, and getting their search out into a browser integration. And Google was uh, not necessarily just a search company, but also was able to figure out a distribution model. So talk to me a little bit about how the combination of the user experience, the distribution model, you know, and what Google's just general strategy was that allowed them to separate and distance themselves from Yahoo. And was it purely just Google presented better results and the better product experience one, or was there a distribution component as well? Um, so let's break those up, right? So the first one here around kind of the overall experience and performance, absolutely. Google, Google dis distinguished themselves there largely because Google was not also trying to be a multifaceted company in the early 2000s. So as Yahoo became more and more and more of a media company, and they also started to really collect a lot of assets where they could distribute display and other networks of advertising, Yahoo became much more of an advertising player, while Google continued to heavily push on their technology and technology evolution of search. And those performance investments paid off in the long run, not just speed, but also quality and relevancy ended up being the number one distinct. All of you who are listening experience those things, especially if you're using search in the early 2000s. You could definitely tell the difference of quality between Google results and Yahoo results. And that just continued to kind of grow and scale. Now, the one interesting thing here to your distribution point, Ben, is this is where actually Yahoo had the upper hand. 
Because if you look at Yahoo around 2005, maybe even until 2010, Yahoo had a much larger network. They could distribute ads and collect money and revenue through a multitude of channels. And the biggest crusher of Yahoo, and what really, not only in search, but in overall business performance, the distinguishing tipping point was in 2007 when Google acquired DoubleClick because DoubleClick then allowed Google to play in the same space and compete against Yahoo and, and, and really control not just search, but all of these different advertising channels. Because at that point, then it became a foot race to who can make more money through these new advertising channels, these new digital advertising channels. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. So what I'm hearing you say is essentially in specifically search, the user experience was so much better for Google, right? They, they figured out relevance that people were flocking to use it as a search engine away from Yahoo, even though Yahoo had these installed user bases and had distribution channels like their toolbar, it was the user experience, it was the Google algorithm that allowed them to develop and become not only competitive, but the market leader in search. And then Google was able to acquire DoubleClick and then got into the advertising game, which allowed them to monetize search as well or better than Yahoo was. And that's really where the business of Google started to take off. Right. I mean, there's a million things, right? We can't pack all of these different things that occurred between Google and Yahoo and Google's evolution and what happened at, at Google over those years. I mean, we, we only have like 15 minutes, so we can't go over all those things. But I would also add in that one of the distinguishing, I think, capabilities that set Google apart from Yahoo in these very competitive search wars was how well integrated... Google became when they offered new products to the market. And it may not seem like they were super integrated at first, but there was generally speaking a technology stack that allowed many of the new products that they offered in the space to leverage pre-existing technology. Email, 
maps, even when they started to venture out into different verticalized searches like book search, news, all of these different experiences or different product offerings like email and others literally leveraged the innovations that they created in the early years around performance and around speed and around accessibility and around design that allowed them to grow and scale these new products. And so I think that that's where Yahoo struggled was how do we make all these things work with one another to create uh, an amplification to our value? I'll be honest, you know, from an end user experience, uh, I think that Google simplified where you would go to Yahoo search back in the day, late, you know, 1990s, 2000s, and it was a cluttered experience and search was not the sole focus. You went to google.com and it was a logo and a search box. And then when you went through it, it came up with search results and there wasn't a lot of advertising. And to me, it was such a simplified user experience relative to Yahoo that it allowed Google to gain this foothold in search, right? It allowed them to start collecting the data and you know, collecting all of the information they needed to be able to then port their search technology into, hey, we made it really easy for you to search through your inbox. Hey, we made it really easy for you to search through your chat history. And so they started taking that core technology, all the data they had, and they ported it into these other products. Maps is another example. And so now Google has not only simplified user experience with search, they're collecting a lot of data. They built in this monetization mechanism where they bought DoubleClick to basically produce an ad server and start creating the Google Display Network. But they're able to add utility. And instead of just sitting back and saying, we're going to be a search company, they started making all of these auxiliary tools, which now we see are incredibly valuable and allow them to collect more data and then optimize the search experience further. And I think where Yahoo fell short was the technological innovation. And they did not simplify the user experience. Really, what they did was they just started prioritizing the business and trying to take advantage of their installed base instead of continually iterating and optimizing and innovating. They, they got slow, they got big, and they got tired, and then they got passed by by Google. Um, so Jordan, I guess my point, you know, when we talk about the difference between Yahoo and Google and how, for lack of a better term, Google innovated and boat raced past Yahoo. You know, at some point here, there is the rise of other competitors. Yahoo is no longer the primary competitor to Google. If there is one, there is the Bings of the world. There are localized search engines, you know, that are sort of geographic or regionally specific. And there are verticalized search engines as well. We're going to talk about some of those other things. But talk to me a little bit more about how you view the landscape today and who is the primary competition now that it is clear that you know Google passed the original modern search engine in Yahoo and became the dominant player. Who else is out there that we need to consider? Yeah. So I guess where we ended off here is this kind of like this, this two-headed monster, right? Which is Yahoo and Google. That evolved into the you know, partnership of the technology that was being serviced by Microsoft and Bing. And really where we are today, especially right now here in the US market is, is we have, for, for lack of better terminology, a monopoly with Google owning the majority of non-specific experienced search. So what I mean by that is if you're just going to do any, any old search, you're typically going to start with Google and then we have Bing as a secondary player there. And then there's a lot of other 
tertiary players that exist, DuckDuckGo, and there's a variety of other tools out there that, that also do non-specific verticalized search. And so beyond that pool, then we also have the verticalized search experiences. Uh, you got e-commerce, video, local search in those players. And then finally, you know, when you look outside the U.S. market, there's a variety of different players based on different regulatory restrictions or language restrictions that exist. So, so we've got players in South Korea, China, Eastern Europe, and Russia. So there's these different use cases in different markets that exist. And, and that's kind of where we are today in terms of the overall search landscape, but which by no means is a simplification of where we are today because it is hyper complex, but that's kind of a package summary of what, what we have right now. So as you think about the search landscape, you know, let's just talk the domestic search here in the United States, you know, what percentage of the search market does Google own that is search specific, non-verticalized search? For the U.S. market, I mean, they're the market leader. You know, there's a variety of different studies out there that show anywhere between 80 to the mid 90% market share for Google. I think it's pretty safe to assume that when we look at a searcher's behavior, especially in the U.S. market or in many of the English-speaking markets out there. So for our listeners, I would assume that that's many of you. It's really Google that dominates and controls the mind share. Even users who are using, say, Bing or some other secondary search engine on a nationalized and a generalized type search experience, those other search engines are often being supplemented by Google. So what I mean by that is you may start a search in DuckDuckGo, but there's a pretty good chance that you're also going to do that same search in Google to validate it. That's how much market share Google has. So Jordan, as we think about Google being obviously the dominant player in what we're calling traditional search, um, help me think about the greater landscape of you know digital marketing and the internet. When you think about, and I, there probably isn't accurate data for this, but how many searches are traditional searches versus these more verticalized search experiences like the YouTube, Amazons, Ebays, Yelps of the world, right? All these different search experiences. What percentage of search do you think Google owns for all searches, not just traditional web searches? Yes. So since we're going over the history, right? Like if we look at the situation from 2010, 2012 to now 2019, so it's like five or seven year gap here. Really what we see is the prolification of search and just this like explosion of different search experiences to the point now today, right, where we spend a lot of time and energy talking about IoT search and voice search and these different experiences. And now there's platforms that are driving those things like Siri and Alexa and others that are not Google-based or Google-connected at all. And so the reality is that, like you said, Ben, there's all this different search that's now taking place. And again, this is an estimation. I mean, it's really hard to get to a very specific number here. But I think it's safe to assume that Google, by and large, including the properties that they own like YouTube, control probably somewhere around 20 to 30% of all search in the United States. Uh, but that has shrunk over the years as new searches have taken place. You have to also recognize that our search behaviors and patterns are ever increasing over time. And so that's the other realization is that us as human beings are performing more searches than we ever have before. In the 1930s to the 1950s, people were only performing a few searches a week. They would open up their phone book and they would find a phone number. They would 
open up a physical directory and they would read through the directory and find what you know hotel they wanted to stay at or whatever it was. Today, we're doing sometimes hundreds of searches per day. And that's incredible, right? I mean, we're doing voice searches on our Alexa apps. We're doing text-based searches on Google. We're doing video-based searches or local searches on Yelp. So I think the takeaway here is as we think about the greater landscape of search technology, right? It's obviously grown a lot since the 30s and 40s and the yellow pages. And as the technology has increased and Google has become the dominant player in internet text-based searches, even if they own 90% of the share, there are regionalized search providers. There are still the secondary tier of search providers. There's also the verticalized search. And we're going to spend a lot of time this month talking about some of the other search engines that you need to optimize for, like the YouTubes, the Amazons, the you know local searches, the Yelps of the world. Because in aggregate, those actually represent more searches than Google does, even though Google is the single most dominant player in the search landscape. So that's what we're going to be focusing our time on for the rest of the week and also for the rest of the month. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Jordan Cooney, the lead SEO strategist and CEO of Searchmetrics. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. So if you're interested in contacting Jordan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can send him a tweet where his handle is JT Cooney. That's J-T-K-O-E-N-E. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. But that's not the case anymore, thanks to Ahrefs, because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you have general marketing questions or if you want to talk about this podcast, you can find my contact information in our show notes or you can send me a tweet at Ben J. Shap. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast app, hit the subscribe button and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning to discuss how you can prioritize traditional web-based search for English-speaking non-Google search engines. Lastly, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you're feeling generous, we'd love for you to leave us a review in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. 